gender identity, same-sex attraction, transgenderism, like all these things are coming out simply because there's access to information, but we live in a world that finds identity in sex versus finding identity in, in Christ. And this becomes an opportunity for us as a church to be light and salt um, in the context of what it means to have a healthy sexuality and identity in Christ. Welcome to episode 12 of the Lead Forward podcast. My name is Dave Funk. Uh, It's great to be back with you after a short break over the summer. We have some great content coming up, which will once again be made available every second Monday from here on out. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and go ahead and listen to previous episodes uh, 1 through 11 there or directly on leadforward.ca. Today's guest is a good friend and a guy I have a lot of respect for. Andy Gabrick works with the District Office of the BC and Yukon Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada as the Next Generation Director, which means he pours his life into leaders who work with kids, youth, young adults, and families. It's no small task and an incredible responsibility. Andy was a very successful youth pastor for years before taking on this job, and he has an amazing insight into upcoming millennials, Generation Y and Z, and if you're not familiar with those terms, Andy will fill you in. We talk all about how to understand the unique challenges of reaching young people, as well as talk practically about how churches and leaders who aren't young people can really make a difference. You're going to learn a lot, as I did, and uh, you'll recognize that Andy is an amazing leader and an amazing guest. So amazing that we already booked another interview for a few months from now, which will also be fantastic. So anyway, I won't make you wait any longer for my interview with Andy Gabrick. Hey everybody, it is so great to have Andy Gabrick on the line here on the podcast and uh, we're thrilled to have him to share about youth ministry and his leadership journey and uh, how your church can be more effective in reaching young people. So thanks Andy for being on the podcast. How you doing? Yeah, th- thanks Dave. I, I'm doing really well. I appreciate uh, being part of your guys' journey with uh, communicating to leaders and having some good conversation around uh, how to lead well and lead forward. So thank you, man. Right on. Really glad to have you. Uh, I just want to start with asking you a little bit about your own leadership journey. You've been a youth mm-hmm. pastor for a long time, but uh, you're doing something else now and serving youth pastors on a broad scale. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I am the Next Generations Director for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada in BC and Yukon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I oversee children, youth, young adults, and their families. Um, and so we have, uh, wanting to champion a project of how do we reach every child, preteen, teen, and young adult in our, in our province. So there's 1.2 million people and that represent that generation. And we would like to reach them by 2025. And so we've, we believe it comes down to three things, leadership development. Uh, so how do we do that? Well, in our churches, we have 205 Mm -hmm. churches, about 110 youth pastors, Mm. Um, but how do we reach reach people through leadership development? How do we take care of those leaders? And how do we multiply those ministries? So like planting youth ministries in towns that don't have any or discipleship streams, or how do we appropriately uh, be on high school campuses or our elementary uh, school campuses right. um, to be effective for Jesus? So uh, that's kind of what we are looking forward to. Uh, it's a great journey. So that's wow. what I've been doing for the last three years now. Awesome. You know, when you say, you know, those 1.2 million, I think you said that represent mm-hmm. that generation and you want to reach them, quote, reach them by 2025, what would reach them mean? Yeah. So simply put, I think that it's our responsibility as a church to communicate and reveal the gospel in creative ways and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Like, right. so I think it's our responsibility as churches to reach or to reveal uh, Christ to people and let the Holy Spirit change people. Right. So uh, for us, we are just simply wanting to uh, create opportunities for people to see Jesus in practical ways in their in their contexts. Awesome. Um, uh, there's many ways to do that, but we, f- we focus on three things. Uh, so we focus on uh, rural church planting. We focus mm-hmm. on discipleship, like how do we build effective long-term disciples of Jesus in those teen years, those preteen years, so they'd be effective not only for life, but effective in their campuses. 
Uh, and that's the last one is how can we truly be part of campuses? Right. Uh, cause they're, they're on the mission field five days a week. Yeah. Um, when school kicks up again here in a couple weeks, um, they have a great opportunity to be Jesus on campus in appropriate ways, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Wow. And you know what? Some people might be surprised. Uh, I mean, I, I work with some young people, both as a pastor and in chaplaincy work I do for uh, a local hockey club. And it's amazing great. that people under 20, they, they've never heard the gospel. They have no idea. Like we're in a, yeah. we're in a post-Christian yeah. culture in that age group. So, so you're right. Like if we can find ways to at least express and share the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Um, but we're, there's an unreached generation there. Yeah. And, and there's like, I would just want to encourage the listeners, like there's huge opportunity here. Like, uh, the studies still remain the same. Like 80% of people who come to Christ for the first time is, be, uh, is below the age of 18 and, wow. and, uh, 70% of those are preteen or younger. Right. Um, two thirds of our pastors are, who are called into vocational ministry usually hear the whisper of God at a camp or a conference mm. Uh, and respond in their young adult years or less. Right. Um, and, and it's very strategic because you have youth or preteens for four or five years, and they have the most time on their hands. They're they're the most pliable for discipleship. Yeah. Um, and you're setting them up for life. Mm-hmm. And so that's one theme that we see in our churches too: is how do we just effectively reach people? Is actually through teenagers or through right. their friends. Um, and we find that's one of the most strategic ways to do it, but, uh, we have to create ways that they're, that these teens are confident in their faith, number Mm -hmm. one, and number two, confident in their youth ministry or their preteen ministry or children's ministry to invite friends and families. Um, so yeah, man, a great opportunity, dude. Wow. Well, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can take advantage of those opportunities. I want to, right. I want to just back up a little bit and how did you get to where you are? Because you're, <laughs> you're not just sitting in an office telling other youth pastors what to do, but you've been on this journey. You've been a youth pastor for a lot of years and seen a lot of success. So just share a little bit about, about that with us. Yeah. Um, I've uh, been in youth ministry for 15 years, working with youth. I went to uh, Bible college at Southern Pacific College, mm-hmm. uh, have a four-year degree. Um, never thought I would be in youth ministry, Dave. I right. thought that I would be a lead pastor. Um, I thought youth ministry was like throwing pizza at each other and putting <laughs> crayons up your nose. There's a little bit <laughs> of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought that youth ministry was more of a youth group, but I, just, I wanted to build church. Like mm-hmm. I really was about kingdom work. And then God got a hold of me about those stats that I mentioned to you. Like right. uh, one thing that uh, really appeals to me in my calling is the lost people who are far from God. Mm. Um, and so that's something that's really appealed to me, uh, working with next gen stuff. Uh, right. And then the second one is leadership development. Like we're raising the next generation of church. So I've never seen youth ministry just like a, you know, a standby thing, or we should do it, or it's just a youth group. I, I see it as a, a church within a church, uh, being the church for t- today, right. um, and raising them up for tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I did youth ministry for 15 years. I did motivational work in high schools for a year. Uh, I, I was at Richmond Pentecostal church for five years and then West Kelowna for six years. Right. And what I learned and my passions like definitely flowed with that. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to create a youth ministry that was fun. Uh, fun will bring kids. I, right. I wanted to create a ministry about relationship, like deep community. Right. So fun will fun will bring kids, but it's relationships that will keep kids. Mm. And then I wanted to build a culture of sending kids, like raising them up to be leaders, confident in their faith, confident in their ministry, um, so that they can be effective disciples of Jesus on campus. And I think that model a fun relationship and send was, has definitely helped me raise a generation of young people in my context, uh, to be Jesus. And because of that, um, our numbers continue to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, wow. um, to the point where, where we could even sustain some of the growth, especially in West Kelowna, like that was, that was difficult. That was probably the biggest thing that I faced. Huh. Um, how to, how to build leaders and stuff. And I know we might talk a little bit about that today, but my, not my biggest challenge, but I just couldn't keep up to how many kids were coming to the quality of leaders that we were trying mm. to send. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then we send them to Bible college after, yeah. right? So, 
so which I I was totally fine with. Like looking back now, I think that that's been the best thing that we've done is send send these leaders away mm. because they'll be more effective long term than just stay in West Kelowna, for example. Right. Um, so yeah, 15 years of youth ministry. I've seen a lot. Um, uh, love youth ministry. I love building kingdom. I think everyone and anyone can be involved in youth ministry too. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a lot of leaders or volunteers or even youth, like everyone and anyone can be a part of youth ministry. And, and we'll explain that a, a little bit about that later. But okay. uh, that's my experience. That's a good word. You're right. Yeah, you know, and, and when I think of my own youth days growing up, like, and I look at young people today, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that remain the same. Like, there's a lot of the same mm-hmm. challenges, but we also right. have this this generational shift. And 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 you right. and I, our age group, we're kind of sitting between two generations where we remember right. what it's like before the internet, you know. But we also yeah. we're also very comfortable with technology and 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 that that sort of age, and so. So um, what is different? And maybe for some of the older leaders that are listening, you know, educate, educate them on, on some of these things. And, and for the younger leaders that are listening, educate them on, you know, kind of on both sides. What's the sure. same? What's different? And, and how can we meet those needs? Yeah. So I think the same is uh, young people wrestle through things that you and I wrestle through. Yeah. Like, what am I made for? What, am, what is this all about? Who am I? Um, who is God in my life? Uh, how do I deal with pain and evil? How do I make good mm-hmm. friends? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those things really, they wrestle. What's my purpose in life? What's my identity? Uh, so young people deal with those things. And I think that scripture or good discipleship helps answer those things in practical and real ways for today. Right. Uh, I think the biggest changes though, or the differences that young people face is technology. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the reality of living in a digital age. For example, like iPhone 8 is coming out this year. It's been 10 years that the iPhone has come out. 10 years. Yeah. And so most research data takes 10 years just to equip or show people what uh, a theme or a trend or a style is mm, a, is affecting a, um, our, our culture. Right. Now, most people who might be listening to this will be, yeah, we live in a digital age and we get it, but it is changing things. And so I'll, I'll share those things really quickly. Right. So the first thing is we live in a digital age where most people have some type of access to the internet Mm -hmm. um, and social media. So, you know, even about 85% of people are on the internet every day. Uh, About the same amount of people have a social media site. My grandma, for example, who's 85, has a Facebook group, you know, or or a a Facebook group. profile uh, profile simply because she wants to stay in touch yeah. with See her grandkids, grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you have young people that continue to have multiple different social media sites mm-hmm. anywhere from twitter to facebook to snapchat um, to instagram and they keep changing simply because kids want to have some type of privacy and ownership mm-hmm. that's beyond their parents mm-hmm. now some people think that might be a good thing or a bad thing the the good thing is that this is totally, absolutely the natural progression of adolescenthood. Right. Adolescenthood yeah. wants to build independent. But the problem with technology is it's not monitored. And right. I think one of the things that we could help in our churches is how do we monitor, monitor uh, technology for uh, the next generation? I think mm. that's a great question to ask. Mm. The second thing is not that only 85% of people are on the Internet Every day, but the smartphones are that we have every day uh, is is in our faces um, mm. all the time. So the average user um, for Gen X uh, would be maybe forty five times a day. So they're looking at their phone anywhere from forty five to sixty times a day. Wow. Um, they would say that is a moderate user or someone that actually is not addicted to technology. They use this term, um, but. Anyone who uses their phone over 60 times a day is a high user or they're addicted to their phone or they have identity in their phone. And so most Gen Y or millennials or 
Gen Z that's just coming out, mm. they would be highly in tuned with their cell phone. Like right. their cell phone would be maybe even part of their identity. Right. Um, and this is the third thing that I would share with you. So 85% of people are on the internet. Uh, we have the digital, uh, you know, age simply because of cell phones or smartphones. And the third one is it's creating an infobesity, I call it. So <laughs> infobesity info is, yeah, um, it hasn't really been coined yet in the context of digital right. um, age, but I, I would coin it into a culture that on the one hand has any type of information at the tip of their fingers at right. any time of any part of the day. Right. Um, but unfortunately, information doesn't actually help us as the Bible calls it, revelation or purpose. And right. so infobesity actually paralyzes people from their purpose. Right. Um, and we see this with young people. We see this with the context of not knowing what their future looks like or mm. high uh, mental illness um, structure that we have today with anxiety and depression yeah. and, yeah. and uh, you know, those type of, type of things, not being able to cope um, and there's many different reasons why, but part of it is the digital age that we live in. Right. Um, so you're kind of and, saying like, just, just because information and technology is there, similar to food, just because food is there, doesn't mean it's the kind of food or information that's good for us will help us to lead healthy lives or, you know, be healthy people. Right. And, and, you know, you eat the wrong food all the time. You're going to get sick. You, you, you have the wrong access and use to, of information. You're going to be unhealthy as well. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And so an example of this would be sexuality. Mm. In our culture today, we live not only in a sexually saturated world, but you're we're encouraging 14-year-old yeah. kids that are actually at their sexual peak of desire. So the best way I can put it, Dave, is like going 100 kilometers in a 30 zone, right. wow. <laughs> blindfolded, blindfolded and saying, okay, here's all the information that you need to make or have yeah. so you can make decisions moving forward. So the whole uh, wave of gender, uh, you know, neutral ways or gender identity, same-sex attraction, transgenderism, like all these things are coming out simply mm -hmm. because there's access to information. But we live in a world that finds identity in sex versus finding identity in, in Christ. Mm -hmm. And this becomes an opportunity for us as a church to be light and salt mm -hmm. um, in the context of what it means to have a healthy sexuality and identity in Christ. Right. So imagine the information at a 14-year-old's hand when it comes to sexual desires and, and what is what is being communicated to that 14-year-old uh, in the context of of what Canadian culture is 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 pushing or uh, is is championing is wow. probably a better word. Well, and, and what I've heard even recently is information is doubling annually, right? So it's, it's not right. slowing down. Yeah. It's just more and more information constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of our, one of the gaps in culture is that we are creating infobesity, but no one really knows their purpose. Like, right. so no one's really trying to find it. Now I, I could give you stats with that, but the best thing I could share with you is there was a Google search. You can find this on my blog at andygabrick.ca. Okay. We'll but to that there's, for sure. yeah. So great. So there, uh, in my blog, there was a 200 or 2009 search, uh, research project about what are teens actually searching on Google. And um, it was a family life uh, organization in the States. And the top five had everything to do with relationships or sex. Wow. So, so anyone ages 11 to 18, that's what they're looking at. Uh, there's a top, t uh, top 100 search that they give you. Yeah. But the top five of those 100 searches has everything to do with sex and relationships. So wow. this is very interesting, Dave, because – the digital age is actually defining sexuality mm -hmm. because we're finding that young people aren't going to, to parents or going to the Bible perhaps, or going to deep community. They're researching and experimenting online to find what their sexual roles are or preferences. Um, for listeners today, when a young person experiments through sexuality, we just want to be, I want to be very clear that if someone is wrestling or someone is experimenting with SSA, which means same-sex attraction, 95% right. of those people on the other end of the puberty spectrum, uh, 18 for women, 25 for men, 
uh, usually go back to heterosexual ways. So really? it's not like, yeah. So it's not like we live in a culture that is more uh, sexually attuned to SSA. It's right. more like just experiment because <laughs> when I was growing up, Dave, it was like, uh, sexually, it was like, you know, um, do whatever you want, but be safe. You right. know what I mean? Like that was the call. That was the context. Like right. you can do anything you want sexually, but be safe. Um, but now culture is saying, well, we understand that sexuality and, uh, sexual desires in the brain psychology. So now we can't just simply say, do whatever you want, but be whoever you want. Mm. Um, and so it creates this confusion in young right. people. Uh, so not only do we live in a digital age, which is hyperactive in, in technology and information, like you said, Dave, it actually, uh, somehow encouraging and defining, uh, roles of sexuality. I just actually had a, um, a pornography, uh, uh, article come to my uh, phone yesterday where the industry is now making $95 billion altogether wow. worldwide. So that's more than every every sports team together. Wow. So that's more than the Super Bowl, more than the Stanley Cup Finals, more than any uh, high-ranking soccer uh, match um, is is pornography. So Incredible. and and so we just live in a culture that for older leaders, I would just really encourage you with this: is is twenty years ago you had to look for pornography. You had mm-hmm. to go to a, a you know. A, a store somewhere or some dungy uh, gas station where now pornography looks for you. Right. And so we need to be proactive in sharing God's design and God's best when mm-hmm. it comes to sexuality and relationships. Well, and that's, you know, where, where I would say a lot of leaders are going to kind of fall on, on two different camps and responding. You know, you, you will have a, a classic approach that is just going to want to do battle. And just right. fight and yell and say, this is bad, stop it, right? Uh, right? And then you may have a more liberal, progressive, quote-unquote, approach um, right. that says, you know, let's embrace this, let's welcome it, let's change our hermeneutic. Um, so right. what would you say is is our, our center position, our third way in order to address these? Like, how, these are unique challenges. I mean, they're not unique in the sense that those Google searches are telling us that, that young people are still looking for identity, right? And they're looking yeah. for love. That hasn't Absolutely. changed. But but we're no. having this compounding challenge of the access to the kind of information that is leading to lots of unhealth, lots of extra challenges, hypersexualization. Um, and so how are we going to respond? Yeah, so my days in in, in um, youth ministry, like I had like five or six different strategic things. So the first thing is we need to teach God's design. Just right. we need to be upfront and teach God's design. And what I mean by that is go to Genesis 2. Mm. Um, I, I would use social sciences. You can find that on my blog that mm. actually support monogamy and right. committed relationships that are healthy. Uh, I would communicate through stories. So we'd actually have young people who were dating, talking mm. about how to date well. Mm. Um, I've had young adults that have asked me just recently too, how do you break up well? Like, how do you deal with the ghosts? How do you deal with the ghosts of making bad decisions and relationships that Taylor Swift sings about all the time? (laughs) So like, how do we, how do we deal with ghosts? Um, How do we find healing and wholeness in Christ? And that's the last thing is I think we need to communicate not only God's design of sexuality and share stories and share the stats and all that good stuff, but we need to create spaces and places for young people or for our people, for example, Mm -hmm to experience God, that God is better than anything else that we can ever experience here on earth. And one of the things that I I did at a pastor's camp last, last week was, um, Jesus talks about marriage and the Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus simply says like, you know, there's going to be no marriage in heaven and Mm -hmm. uh, we're all back to new life. We're going to be different. And he's basically saying like, in heaven, it's going to be better than anything else that we've ever experienced here on earth. And the most intimacy right. that we ever have with someone is the marriage here on this earth. Yeah. Um, not just physical intimacy, but vulnerability, spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. 
um, and there's no shame, God calls us into those relationships. Right. Um, but imagine what Jesus is simply saying, oh man, it's not going to be a dull place where we just play checkers and chess all day. <laughs> He's just basically saying that heaven is going to be beyond your wildest dreams and yeah. whatever you experience here on earth will just be nothing compared to what you can experience in heaven. So right. I think one of the things that we need to share is how to experience the Holy Spirit, how do we experience yeah. Christ how do we experience purpose? Yeah. And that's what we've tried to do in, in youth ministry um, and give people an opportunity to dive into what God has for them. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's not even just, you know, one day it's going to be amazing, but until right. then, you know, buckle down and, and, you know, try to totally. not have fun, <laughs> but it's, we yeah. can, ex- we can experience uh, the pleasure, the, the, the kind of the downstream pleasures of that yeah. fountainhead, you know, C.S. Lewis kind of uses yeah. that, that language. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, if, if we trust Christ and follow him, we, we get the, a taste and a foreshadowing of that life now. And part of that is for our joy, but part of that is to set an example to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a citizen of another kingdom. These are the pleasures that are in that kingdom. Here's a taste of them. Come check it out. Um, and so yeah. our lives can reflect that too. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, of course, um, give us resources to redeem sexuality and relationships. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh man, like I'm, I'm way off. No, you're not like, uh, you know, there's forgiveness in Christ. There's healing in Christ. There's, there's the Holy spirit that resources us in the midst of temptation. So, mm-hmm. um, in the midst of, of brokenness, uh, from sexual sins that we see in life. And I don't have time to, to share that with you, Dave, but right. feel free. If you're listening to this, check out my, Blog because you'll see some social sciences that mm. we've used. I, I found like the social science part, for example, uh, has worked really well with young adults. Okay. So um, you mentioned about the hermeneutical camp B response. Right. Um, there is a hermeneutical uh, question asking the why behind the what. So everyone knows to some degree, especially if you've raised in the church. God's design of sexuality, but in our culture that is so oversaturated and sensitive and mm-hmm. hyperactive when it comes mm-hmm. to sexuality, they're asking the why behind the what. So why would God, for example, say that it's only between a man and a woman for life? Right. Why is Jesus saying that adultery is bad? Why is Jesus saying that lusting over someone is maybe not the best way? Why, why would he say these things? And so there's a deconstruction of hermeneutic yeah. to get behind it. But social sciences that are done well, that mm-hmm. these are not just Christian social sciences, but, you know, um, secular or governmental uh, social sciences actually backs up scripture right. and it blows people's minds away. Yeah. So I find with young adults who try to deconstruct hermeneutics or try to find the why behind the what of God's design, um, I find social sciences actually just become more authoritative hmm. or just as just as authoritative as scripture to these young people right because yeah. they don't they don't see scripture as God breathed. Mm-hmm. They see scripture as a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a different conversation that we should have one day, right. but yeah, yeah, yeah. in an, any context that's that's uh, why I use social sciences. Right. yeah, so if you're listening, um, Andy has some great tools on his website. like I said, we're gonna link to it. Uh, in the notes on leaf4.ca, but andygabrick.ca is where to go to find some of those. And those can give you some practical tools in your conversations. You know, speaking of that, so, you know, I'm, I'm not a youth pastor. Uh, I'm a lead pastor. And so, um, you know, as much as I do my best to have personal, personal relationships with the youth in our church, their primary pastoral relationship is with their youth pastor and youth leaders. Correct. Yeah. So like, what about guys like me? Um, you know, I'm not cool anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what about guys like me? Like what's, what are the things that I can do best in my position to help serve young people, to help my youth pastor and uh, be a part of the solutions? Dave, I, I think that's a great question and, and good for you to ask that question. Um, I say to young leaders all the time that your youth ministry will only be as successful as your lead pastor wants it to be. Oh, wow. So thank you for asking that question. Number one. Um, Number two is I think, uh, you know, it, it really comes down to the relationship you have with your youth pastor. Mm. Um, you know, what's, what's, what are some resources I can help you with? Um, how can I empower you now empowerment with 
leadership is not necessarily delegation or responsibilities. It's empowering someone to do what God's calling them to do. So that right. might mean that, for example, your youth pastor has some dreams, goals, and aspirations that need some resources or accountability or relationships behind it. Right. It's one thing to say, hey, go for it, man. You got this. It's another thing to say, hey, how are we strategically going to do this? Um, so I, I find that those two things are really important, asking the question that you're asking. And number two is building relationship and empowerment culture uh, for young leaders to thrive. Mm-hmm. I think the third thing that I would encourage lead pastors to do is understand the gaps. And um, understand the gaps is actually dissecting your context of how to reach people for Christ. So what's the gaps in our church is, for example, um, we asked this in West Kelowna, what, what is a gap in our youth ministry? Well, our youth ministry was very clicky. Mm. And uh, what I mean by that is they were just all friends. And when new people would come, they wouldn't feel welcomed or encouraged right. to keep coming. It's it's interesting fact, and you probably know this, Dave, and if you're listening, you know this too. Like, you know, people judge all our programs or our services in the first 23 seconds yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when they come through the doors. And so, you yeah, know, that we first just judgment is, is not so much yeah. about how great the ministry is or how great the preaching or music is, but it's how they feel. It's all about how they feel that first time. How they feel, yeah. building relationship. Is someone going to say hi? Like, yeah. make me feel welcome. And so we did that. Like, we just tried to change a culture. Um, and I remember this one time, uh, he's a youth pastor now. He's gone through our programs, but he came to one of our service nights and the place was jam packed. We had people everywhere. And this is right before the service started. So kids are playing games and we have all these different stations and different things going on. And I'm in the gym playing basketball and he comes in. I'm like, Hey man, my name is Andy. How's it going? And he gave me a weird look like, who are you number one? And (laughs) why are you saying hi to me? And why are you introducing yourself? Um, but he looks back at that. He's like, um, that actually wanted, wanted me to stay Mm. at Emmanuel, like to keep coming back. Like I came because there was cute girls, he said, and a cute girl invited him, but it was because Andy, it was me, but there's others that were do it, um, said hi and wanted me to play basketball with him. And that started a journey and now he's a youth pastor. So like, (laughs) you know, I think that we need to understand the gaps in our churches or our youth ministries. Um, and so I think that's a great question to ask. So does it, does Um, it make a big difference especially for the kids who will show up on Sundays, if the lead pastor makes a big effort to get to know names and stories, like, is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it'll help you be more in tune with culture and more mm-hmm. in tune what, what needs have for teenagers. Right. Um, for me, like I was at a summer camp. I spoke seven nights. I, I remember this one camp. It was crazy, man. I spoke 14 messages oh, in seven in seven days, and I was totally exhausted. And in the <laughs> middle of the night services, my wife and I did one on sex and relationships. And right. we prepped the kids over time, like, hey, if you have questions, feel free to text us. Like, it, it's anonymous. It's yeah. private. It's confidential. You can ask anything. Of course, we get weird, crazy questions. Yeah. But there was two questions that stood out to me that – these teenagers were doing some research beforehand huh. and gave me two questions that didn't stump me, but had some really good undertones of what the culture is wrestling with. Mm. So those two questions were this. The first one is, my boyfriend is is like a Christian. He's basically loves me and respects me more than most churches do. So why wouldn't I want to have sex with him if mm. he loves and respects me like the Bible tells us to do when we have relationship. That was the first one. The second one was young people or, uh, Jesus's day. People were getting married younger. Mm. So men were a little older, but women were around 14, 15. How can you tell me to remain sexually pure in my early twenties? Um, when we live in a culture that is having sex all the time, um, how can you tell me that I should remain sexually pure? Mm -hmm. And this started this, this dialogue in my own heart, like I, I, we're missing the mark of how to reach these kids and to build disciples for Christ. Um, they're great questions, but for me personally, having those questions and meeting with those kids at that camp helped me understand how much we're not doing when it comes to co- in the context of, I would say, spirituality and sexuality. So yeah, building relationship with a few key kids is great. You can build a forum or even a small group if you could mm. uh, take them out for lunch or a donut. That's gonna that'll do well for you. Yeah. Um, 
you could even do a SWOT analysis and look for the gaps. But I think it's really important to understand the gaps so you fill those gaps um, so that you can reach people for Christ. And of course, it's not just asking what's the gaps in our churches, uh, but it's it's the gaps in culture, um, it's the gaps in our communities, right. and it's the it's the gaps in our high schools or our middle schools or our elementary schools. Right. And when we ask those questions at Emmanuel, for example, like for our schools, like it was an open door policy simply because we signed a contract with them saying that we're not here to evangelize. We're not here to, you know, share the gospel. We're here to serve. And that Mm -hmm. might go against some people's nature, but when you serve people, you're opening doors of trust. Yeah. And when you build trust, you build relationship. And when you build relationship, relationship now is actually the, the first key indicator of influence. In the past 50 years ago, it would be position or authority, right. or it would be money. It's not like that anymore. It's right. it's influence through relationship. Right. And so we did anything from like breakfast programs in the morning. We partnered with Starbucks. Starbucks would give us free food. Uh, nice. We would go into yeah. We would go into <laughs> schools, and uh, we would do breakfast programs. And what was interesting when we did these breakfast programs, these kids who would eat before school actually became brighter. They were uh-huh. they were not so uh, dull or uh, tired, mm. um, and they actually were positive because wow. you and I know that if kids are hangry and they're not eating at home and they have to get to school, like they're going to be grumpy and complain the whole day. <laughs> but they found these things and they're like, "Wow, this is really good. Thank you guys." Wow. Um, and we did anything from like breakfast programs to. Um, seminars on how to keep your V-card. That means your virginity. Uh, The downside to a high, we looked at these gaps that no one was touching in our schools. Mm. So no one was touching the breakfast stuff. No one was touching about sexuality or drugs. Mm. And then the last thing, like because of influence and relationship, we were able to do high school assemblies, reaching thousands of teens and doing outreaches at our church, like after show parties and kids coming to Christ, simply because we asked the question, what's the gaps and how can we fill them? Right. So it's one thing to ask the gaps. It's another thing to fill them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so those are just some examples. I don't know if I could put my notes alongside this podcast, but I could have some notes um, of asking questions of how to f- how to fill those gaps. But um, if you, yeah, yeah, we can we can um, put any notes you want uh, underneath on the website leadforward.ca. Um, whether it's the stuff you gave me, or if you have something else, we can definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, whatever you like, man. Okay, so listeners, there'll be something there. So head, yeah, on to, head on over to leadforward.ca. You'll see some notes there. So, you know, like um, one of the things I think we're noticing is, you know, some churches uh, have big thriving youth groups. Um, right. But that one of the gaps is the, the thriving youth group doesn't turn into a thriving multi-generational church. You know what I mean? So, so yes. kids are finishing high school or even before they finish high school. Um, they're no longer connected, and uh, right. what's the gap there? Like, what what's missing? Are we are we not building the right bridges to get them involved uh, in in the whole church ministry? Um, why are why are young people leaving the church, and and what can we do about it? Now, this is a question we've been asking for a long time. Um, right. I don't know if Andy Gabrick has the definitive final answer <laughs> and all the solutions, but from your perspective and what you've seen, uh, what are we missing? Yeah, so let me encourage listeners like. Um, I'm on the board of directors with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Right. They're asking this question as well. So that represents 40 different evangelical denominations, around 10 million people in Canada, right. which is a good chunk of people. Um, but in any context, uh, they're asking these questions. And I believe this fall, later this fall, there will be a research project that comes out about who's retaining young people, why are, uh, why oh, are wow. some some places um, leaving or we're losing young people okay. and how do we, how do we keep them or how do we reveal um, a, uh, some strategies of, of keeping them? So they're planning to bring that out, which is great, but um, let me give you some preludes because of why young people are leaving um, in the initial research being part of it. Um, we're finding that young people are actually leaving before uh, high, uh, they leave high school. Okay. So it's not, it's not that, you know, someone graduates grade 12 and then says, Hey, I'm out. Like mm. I'm done. Right. Um, 
it, they're actually leaving before, and they're leaving before because grade eleven, mostly grade eleven and twelves, there's pressure for them to start working a part-time job, for example, or their grades need to be up, or they're starting to build a career around something that they need to do. Um, parents don't see it as much as a as a spiritual responsibility to have a grade eleven or twelve into youth ministry. And I think one of the ways that we can actually debunk that type of trend is to help grade 11 and 12s be part of a leadership opportunity, either in a church, in the church right. or in their youth ministry. Okay. So um, that has been very important. And most young adults, if you interview them, they'll say that I'm not there because there's cool people or there's skinny jeans on stage or right. there's a cute girl. Like that's all, it's not about that. It's, it's built on relationship and growth. Mm. So, they want deep, meaningful relationship. They would say, hey, I go to this church because I have community here. Right. And they come here because they, they, they're growing in their faith. Right. Now, you mentioned, Dave, something really key. is like we live in a generation that doesn't know anything about Jesus, but they actually don't know anything about the Bible either. Right. And so the most uh, uh, trend, pop- I hate using that word popular, but the trend that people are using now why they come to church is the number one is the preaching, is the mm. teaching. Mm-hmm. And so people want to be discipled. Yeah. And so if we can get young people building deep, meaningful community, opportunities to share their faith or opportunities to show their faith in practical ways in ministry and that they're being discipled on a Sunday morning or discipled on a Tuesday night, um, being communicate, communicating through the Bible, uh, that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, and so Leonard Sweet calls it an epic generation. I love Leonard Sweet. Mm. Um, and he makes this acronym that epic stands for. We live in a generation, if you want to keep young people, you, it has to be experiential. So we talked about that. Like Experiential basically means uh, a faith that, that they can experience in everyday life. The second one is practical. In other words, this faith needs to make sense every day, not just Sundays. Right. Don't just teach me about grace, but how to be graceful, perhaps, or, or how does a grace-filled life change my life uh, on Monday with my co-workers. Right. I is image-focused, which basically means we live in a generation that is very visual, mm. um, men and women. So how do we use objective ways to use visuals to or stories to communicate the gospel? Right. And the third, fourth one is connected. We live in the most connected, digitally, yet disconnected, relationally generation of our time. Mm. So how do we do those four things? Uh, that's a great question to ask churches. Like right. if you want to retain young people, it's an epic response. So um, I think that helps as well. Uh, I also say that um, uh, discipleship around vocation is really good too. So not vocation in the context of ministry, like being in full-time ministry, but vocation in the, midst, in, in the context of, of uh, life skills. Okay. So how are we helping young people budget? How are we helping young people, you know, find a career or, mm. you know, time, time management, these things? Like they're very practical and most of our uh, seasoned leaders would say that that's, you know, you would hope they would learn that earlier. Uh, but unfortunately, in their family situation, uh, they haven't been taught those things well. Right. Um, and so, you know, practical life skills, vocation, right. discipleship um, actually can go a long way. Yeah. Um, I remember reading a joke uh, this past spring online. Someone, I think it was a, a tweet or something. Someone says, you know, uh, I'm so glad I learned long division in high school so that I can use it practically during this long division season, which it was tax season, right? Like yeah, yeah. they're not even teaching you how to do taxes, but you learn all these other mathematical, right. you know, which are useful in a lot of vocations. But yeah, you're right. Like there's a lot of gaps in like how to actually help young people learn the skills of life that are going to be more useful every day. Yeah. And part of the anxiety, depression um, generation is because they don't have the pro- appropriate life skills to mm. function and they call right. it adulting. <laughs> like, yeah. Imagine doing a, a sermon series called adulting yeah. <laughs> um, and um, go through those things about building life skills and mm. uh, relationship skills, um, right. uh, mechanisms to cope difficult situations so you're not imploding. Um, like these things are, these things become opportunities, I think. So, right. so, so for me as a leader, I see challenges as opportunities, not obstacles. Right. 
So I might be a little optimistic for hearers, but I've seen it work in my, in the context of our youth ministries. Mm. Um, so I think that's another way of trying to bridge the gap yeah. of young people disengaging from church. Yeah. So if you talk to them, I wouldn't say that they're rejecting church. It's mm. very few that are rejecting church. I think there is a mass population that are disengaged with church because right. they're not speaking or communicating the gospel mm. in ways that make life-changing, transformational decisions for them. Wow. Wow, that's uh, quite the chastisement, but I, I don't think it's far from the truth. You know, and, and then in my own anecdotal evidence, I guess, like I've really noticed in the, the last couple of churches I've been a part of, you know, the, the young people who um, have some sort of uh, ownership, you know, they've been yeah. welcomed into leadership, they've been trusted, they've been given a voice. Uh, that goes a long way for them taking the next step to, you know, they get too old for youth group and they're still involved in church, right. whether they, they, you know, go to university and find something else or stay in town. That makes a huge, huge difference. And we need to be able to trust young people as hard as that is. I think back on my own leadership journey and, you know, thinking back, like, you know, I got to preach on a Sunday in front of 400 people when I was 19, like who trusts yeah. me with that? Uh, it was my dad, by the way, but you know, those sorts of things, um, we need to be able to create opportunities for them to feel like they're a part of the church because they are, they are, we need to make sure that, that, uh, we create that space. Yeah. I, 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 I want to just add a couple thoughts to what you said. Like, you know, um, there's about 35 million people in Canada now. Wow. Nine, 9.5 million of those people are baby boomers mm -hmm. and baby boomers represent about 50% of the church. Right. Uh, they're great saints. They're awesome. They've been discipled. They're basically the grandparents, or they are going to become grandparents right. um, soon. Uh, and they represent about anywhere from 60 to 70% of the wealth that is represented in Canada. Right. Um, and uh, if you look at our churches, uh, depending on what type of church you have, they can represent 50% plus of our churches. Mm. Um now, what's interesting is the millennial generation, which represents 81 to 2000. Some people say 84 to 2000. Some people say 80 to 94. But in any context, right. it's, a, it's about 15 to 20 year stage. Right. Uh, they represent 9.5 million people in Canada. Hmm. But what's interesting with this generation, for those who are listening, is only 2 to 3% are actually engaged in church. Wow. So you have a 50% population of baby boomers who speak the voice of what church should look like. Mm. But we have 2 to 3% of millennials, two generations down, that are actually the voice of the church. Mm. Now, to encourage listeners, 70% of millennials consider themselves spiritual. Okay. In other words, they're searching for purpose. And I think that what we've talked about today, like understanding the gaps teaching God's design and sexuality, you know, those different things, uh, creating opportunities for young people to serve um, and create ownership. Like all those things will help young people uh, engage in church right. and engage in community. Um, and and I, the second thing that I was going to say is um, it is creating an opportunity for young guys like you to be on stage. But the reason why you were on stage and why they trusted you is because there was relationship there. Yeah. There was mentoring there. Yeah. And so it's not just simply opportunity for people to create ownership, it's mentorship too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great opportunity. Uh, and, you know, for listeners, uh, I am doing a mentoring one with our regroup <laughs> leadership seminars that are coming up this fall. But mm. uh, I think mentoring is one of the key principles of leadership development in the 21st century um, because we just don't have those type of deeper, meaningful relationships that that culture used to have. Right. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you in those ways. Yeah. Andy, we've talked about a lot of amazing stuff and there's, there's more we could talk about, but we're just, we're running short on time here. Do you have any final thoughts, something you haven't shared with us that you just think we need to hear about, about young people, about youth ministry, about the church? Yeah. My final thoughts are just be encouraged friend, like mm. be encouraged, uh, courage, um, you know, uh, continues to move the church forward. Don't be discouraged. Discouragement deflates courage. Uh, I see that Paul in the New Testament 
when he was at the end of his journey, discipleship journey, if I can call it that, and, you know, writing letters to churches, most of them were around courage, encouragement. It was keep going. Uh, You're doing a great job. Uh, Put God first. God's going to show up. So the biggest thing I could say is keep plodding on. Um, It's a term of just keep going. And I hope that somehow, some way this podcast would help give you strategic ends to questions of how to reach a generation for Christ. Mm. And we all know, like, the church is the hope of the world. We know that the church, through Jesus Christ, is one of the best places to be here, be on earth. Like, we know this. Mm -hmm. Um, And as leaders, I think we need to show that to our culture. We need to have churches that not only stand in the gap, but become light and salt to, to our culture. And so we have to ask these difficult questions because it gives us answers, honest answers of how to move forward. Um, and in youth ministry, like it's, it's easy to experiment there. And I remember Derek, uh, Hamry in West Kelowna would experiment with us. He would give us like two or three Sundays a year, the next Mm. gen, and we would do different things. Like we just try different things so that we can try to communicate, uh, in a new way, not in a crazy weird way, but just in a way where we're like, hmm, I wonder if this would stick or if this would work or how our culture would respond. Right. Um, and um, all, all of the times that they did that, there was great responses to it because there was young people that were loving Jesus and loving people. So um, I would just encourage you just to keep loving God and loving people and everything else falls in between in line in those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we love God, he's going to give us wisdom and direction and insight. And if we love people, we're going to understand the gaps. We're going to know the needs. Um, and we're going to have the strength to meet those needs uh, according to his great riches that he gives us. Amen um, to so, that. Yeah. And, and the last thing of course is thanks Dave for having me. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak, uh, with your, uh, listeners and thank you so much i appreciate your time you know i already know we're gonna have to have you come back so (laughs) there's just so much more to talk about but until then and you know a lot of our listeners probably are already familiar with you but those who aren't um andygabrick.ca is one place to go where else can they connect with you what you're doing with uh, the bc yukon district of the paoc and find some of these other resources you're talking about yeah, you can go to nextgenbc.ca. So that okay. that's our overarching uh, next generation ministries uh, website, and there's yeah. resources there. There's relationships there. If you're looking for relationships, if you're looking for coaching or mentoring, there's mentoring options there and coaching options as well. Awesome. So I would encourage people to go there, and and you will know our heart. Like our heart is is serious about reaching those 1.2 million kids and yeah. preteens, youth, young adults, and we have a strategy in place by God's design. Uh, I could share that story really quickly, but basically that's been built by 110 youth pastors in, in collection and oneness in prayer in dialogue in, in, uh, you know, evaluation. And this is what God's given us. So we know where we're going and, and, uh, yeah, feel free to connect to the lot. And if you want to pray with us too, I really encourage you to pray, um, that God would provide, uh, the resources and, and the, the favor to to do this well amazing thank you so much andy it has been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you and hear from you and i'm sure you've helped a lot of people today thanks dave i appreciate it have a great day you too you've been listening to the lead forward podcast thank you so much for tuning in today as always you can find more leadership resources at leadforward.ca i hope you'll join us next time Thank you.